So, Kyle, while I was on my way here, I was trying to come up with this, and honestly, I couldn't come up with the answer. Maybe you have a better idea than me. But who do you think is the modern-day Philip Seymour Hoffman? Or is there a young actor you see that who could be the next Philip Seymour Hoffman? He's kind of very unique to me. Yeah, of course. Um, That's a really good question. And it's not... I would love to have, like, a list of actors that are in their, you know, 20s, maybe early 30s right now. Um, But thinking about it, like right now off the top of my head, I'm going to go with an actor that actually got to work with Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I'm going to say Jesse Plemons. Well, looks-wise, right? That's Well, okay, he looks like the love child of Matt Damon and Philip Seymour Hoffman. For those who aren't familiar with him... uh, Well, Jesse Plemons is... Well, so the role that he... Or the movie he got to be in uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman would be The Master, where he did play his son... And then he's also famous from Breaking Bad. He played... Uh, why am I blanking on that character's name? Totally I forgot the character's name. Yeah, the character's name, but he becomes kind of like a bad guy in like the last season. and Yeah. And he's he's a very he's a very good actor. Do you think he has the range of Philip Seymour Hoffman? I don't know if he necessarily has the range. Like, That's could, just someone that came... I just know... Could he, he make it rain like Philip Seymour Hoffman? Hmm... No, so no. I, I mean, if, maybe he comes close. I could see that. Definitely, like looks wise, I and mean, he is like an up and coming actor. Yeah, he's been getting a lot of praise for like some independent films out there, and I mean, maybe you know, he just needs to come into his own. And I, I just, there's never going to be someone I think that could fill in Phyllis and Hoffman's shoes. Maybe we'll revisit this question. I, I think I need to do a little bit more research, but yeah, I would love to. That's a good answer. More. Yeah. Iggy Pop. Amen. Let it ride. I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a pain thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Welcome, Hoff fans, to this week's edition of the PS I Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, we're always ready to talk great movies. Today's movie is a little film called Love Liza. And I love Love Liza. <laughs> I love Love Liza. Triple L. <laughs> you, you and your wordplay. I love alliteration. I love alliteration that works. Hmm. It's not like, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is not like a, a grammar or whimsical limerick podcast. No. But it is a Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast. And this is a movie that's starring Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, thank you. A rare treat early on you know, in this, this stage of his career. We haven't got enough of these, in my opinion. Yes. But this is, a, this is a film that a lot of people have talked about, I've heard a lot about. I had not seen it before, so it was kind of a treat for me to see it for the first time. Had you seen it before, Kyle? I had seen it before, oh, I, definitely a while ago on TV, so I was just happy to revisit it, and just it was very it was very satisfying it's 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 dark you know it deals with suicide and addiction so yeah but it has like these 
it does not have a fast pace, but I don't know if, if you're trying to under, uh, understand what I'm saying because it's like the scenes are quick. Yeah, they've got terms brief of scenes, length. but it's a good brief. Pace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and this film is actually a uh, family affair because it's written by Gordy Hoffman, the older Gor- brother. Gordy Hoffman. I feel like <laughs> when you say Gordy, I don't know any Gordons or Gordys in my life, but I feel like I know them already. Kyle, if your name was Gordon, would you want to be? Would you want to be? <laughs> I'd known be as a fisherman. Yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> the Gormans or whatever. If your name was Gordon, would you want to be known as Gordy? I think so. Uh, see, Kyle's not a great name for like. It's just not, not a great Brian. name. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Kyle and Brian, they're not great nickname names. I always I, wanted one like what? I'm not gonna be Bry or Kai. Yeah. You know, I always wanted like a Gordy. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> I mean, I think, what was it? Uh, George Carlin in one of his stamps. My brother-in-law always like saying it. He like in a George Carlin stamp, he goes, "Kyle, what a weak name." <laughs> My but, brother-in-law always loves pointing that out, so I would, I would, I would adopt the name Gordy for sure. <laughs> so Gordy Hoffman wrote this uh, for his brother. For did he write it for his brother? Oh, I don't know if it was necessarily for his brother. It's more like with his brother. I yeah, guess. you know, they did it together. Yeah, and then uh, the director Todd Luizzo, That name is definitely uh, familiar to us all. Well, it was familiar to us already, and then familiar to us. Through the podcast. Yeah, Hoff fans, you might have listened to... uh, It was our Act 1 recap, right? Act 1 recap with the 15-minute Hamlet, and he was also in Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman, too, He's in, like, you know, Phil's gang. (laughs) But you know where we love him from. High Fidelity. Yes. Dick. (laughs) (laughs) If he ever listens to this podcast, he's probably like, I don't want to be known for that, you know? Yeah, there's just probably so many more... Of course, but, I mean, he directed this. Yeah, it was his first time directing... a. feature film and I believe this is also Gordy's first time writing a screenplay a feature screenplay yeah, at least probably a Hollywood one yeah that was produced certainly not Philip Seymour Hoffman's first film but one of his first as we said like starring roles yeah and this was just a really uh you know a role that we get to see a lot of just his different talents and a lot of I mean it was very just a good, strong performance. And, and it's very, like, indie, I guess is a good word. It is it. an indie film. It's it's not the same as Next Stop Wonderland, but it's it's kind of, you know, like, in that family of yeah. this, like, independent, like, that's a rom-com, this is a, a, this is a drama. Definitely not a rom-com. No, right. not but there, a- are, there are funny moments, for sure. Oh, we'll get into Denny. <laughs> but if you, if you want to call it anything... If you want to say it's a comedy at all, that it's a dark comedy. I don't think it's a comedy, but I laughed at times. It's just very real. Very real. Very, very... Uh, it has a certain monotony, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I could see some people maybe thinking it was boring. I didn't think it was boring, because for me, it mimics real life. I really, really, really love this film on a human level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... Okay, so I was reading some critical analysis, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the best. It said, like, one of the criticisms was that Wilson, like the character, doesn't change much in the film. You don't that, need that in every film, though. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of my point. Like, like, I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. 
this is just a small part of his life that we're experiencing. A very, you know, vulnerable... I mean, this man plays vulnerable characters. Yes. And, and are you always changed by events that happen? We would like to think that we're always better by the journey, right? But that doesn't always happen. Yeah, I mean, he's been... When we, when we meet the character, I mean, he's definitely... He's been changed by the death of his wife. But then what we're experiencing is just this very specific moment in his life. And I, I feel like any criticism this film gets, it's because it doesn't... It's indie. Yeah. It doesn't fit that rigid structure of oh, you know, a hero's journey isn't always a happy one. Or, I mean, that's true, but it's like, he, he, oh, he learned from it or anything like that. But again, I like that. So it's 55% negative on Rotten Tomatoes, or I don't know if you want, I think that's still fresh, 55%, because yeah. it's technically over. But like, that's not a great score, and that's by the critics. But it's 77% by the audience. I think on a story level, obviously it just hits home with a lot of people, and then... I mean, critics are going to be critics, and that's, yeah, absolutely, that's what, and that's what they gave it. I tend to side with the audience here. That's what I remember all the way back to high school. We just when we made a film all the way in our se- senior year, we were just excited. We just wanted to win the audience award. Cause yeah, that, isn't that that's who you're making the movies for? <laughs> I'm not making it for the critics. The critics are part of the audience, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I suppose. But again, it it has. It, does it touch you? You know, yes. Like this is a movie that definitely touches you. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's realistic, and and that's like just something. I really enjoyed. I read this one interview, and uh, it's this is just, I just want to read a little something that Philip Seymour Hoffman said uh, just about his experience on Love Liza. He says, "Artistically, my experience on Love Liza is the best that I've ever had. It was this interaction of sort of struggling artists doing their best to make." the best movie that they could in four weeks we had to shoot. So that's pretty crazy right there. Four four weeks they had to shoot. So that was sort of what it was like at the get-go. I read my brother's script and loved it. I got Todd in, you know, parentheses, Luiso, uh, on board. We struggled creatively and in the end basically made the film that we wanted to, which is basically an impossible thing if you think about it. I'm proud that this is a very individual film. So I think that's what we've kind of said thus far, that it has this, you know, I mean, it's this indie film that just has this grounded, real experience. So, I mean, back then he understood, we're getting it now. This is, you know, this is an interview from back when this movie came out in 2002. So this film actually won a screenwriting award at Sundance. I mean, it's Sundance. It's a pretty big deal. That's definitely a really exciting thing that he's a lead actor in a movie that played at Sundance. Um, Todd Luisa was actually Philip Seymour Hoffman's roommate during his Los Angeles period. Oh, cool. Okay. Basically, they had this idea to make a film. He got... I'm not sure who whose idea was at first, but obviously his brother wrote it. Yes. Todd Luisa, his friend, directed it. He kind of said that... Or somebody said that you need to star in a film. Like, you need to be the star. We've seen him as a star, so to speak, but nothing like dramatically. Yeah, him being the star. So this is what this film was about. It was kind of like yeah, a vehicle. Was... But they could not raise any money because people saw him. Studio saw him, and they said he was like too fat. He wasn't a leading man. Yeah, there's some v- 
very like you watch this movie and that's that there there is like that uniqueness to it what tends to be like when we don't get a lot of when i don't read trivia which you know so there wasn't any and wikipedia really didn't have much information on this film and so i the next thing i do and i'll do anyway is i watch interviews and so again there's a pretty like good five minute uh six minute interview with charlie rose the big thing that philip schumer hoffman says is that his brother was living in you know he just always looked up to this is his older brother always looked up to him always thought he was a really mm. bright guy he was writing some plays and stuff living in chicago and then he moved to la thinking it would better his career and he wrote this screenplay and Philip Seymour Hoffman read it and so they I guess maybe showed it to his agent he wasn't clear on this part of it but Charlie Rose was asking him like oh so you know was th- were these like all your friends and he said well you know like Todd is was and so that was who I said to the like you know the studio oh you should hire Todd Luiso, then he was in charge of the casting. Because that was gotcha. the big question Charlie Rose had for him was, gotcha. did you play a big part into the casting? Well, speaking of the cast, Kathy Bates is probably the biggest name in this. Yeah. And they could not raise any money until Kathy Bates was cast. And they ended up raising a million dollars, which isn't a huge budget, but that was kind of the agreement. You need to put a bigger name in this. Yeah, Kathy Bates is like one of those actors that I feel like people forget about, and then they watch, and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, she is just... What Famously from the Water Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think my, probably my introduction to her, and probably a lot of people our age, was Titanic. Right? Titanic, yeah, but I kind of overlooked her in Titanic. You know, She's, I was I was just too busy looking at Billy Zane. Oh God, <laughs> I specifically saw Titanic in 3D just to see 3D Billy Zane. <laughs> I know your favorite character. I'll tell you. In Titanic, is that Italian guy? Fabrizio. Yeah, Fabrizio. Fabrizio. He gets a... Oh, I have ethnic friends. You yeah, see? exactly. Oh, there's an Irish and Italian. <laughs> Is Jack Dawson. No, it's not, it's not a German last name, but there's no, a couple Germans. No, I believe he's there. from, like, somewhere in the Midwest, right? Which Germans did migrate there, so... True, true. I'm just saying you've got your... Ver- yes. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> because we're segueing into our next venture, guys, our James Cameron Films podcast. You got me so excited. I thought we were doing Billy Zane. It'd be the shortest podcast ever... Uh, uh, what would it be? What's that movie? Phantom. Phantom. Land Speed is another movie yeah. he did. Um, the one Zoolander. He, Zoolander. <laughs> Both. He got blackballed for a movie where he played like an American soldier in yeah. Turkey. <laughs> Whatever. No Billy Zane podcast. Back to Love Liza. So who who else is in this cast, Kyle? And then we'll go with you on your famous synopsis. So yeah, obviously our main man, PSH, as Wilson Joel, and then Kathy Bates, his mother-in-law, Marianne. And then the next off is uh, Sarah Kassoff. She plays Mora. It's like Philip Seymour Hoffman's boss in the movie. And then uh, Jack Keller, I guess you pronounce his name. And so he just, he's had so many bit Would parts of the year. He's Denny. In oh, this yeah. Where did I he's know great. him from? Well, a little... I mean, he's just had so many little bit parts over the year, where, like when I was looking through his IMDb. But the film, a film he was in before that we've covered is The Big Lebowski, and he plays the dude's landlord that puts on like the one-man show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. probably where I remember him from. And then the last like notable name or, or ca- character from this film is played by Stephen Toblowski. He plays Tom Bailey, and he's from one of our favorite shows, Silicon Valley. And he plays Jack Barker. And yeah, I like he's that just guy. Another, like that yeah, guy. he's just a you know a guy again that's been in so many things over the years. But 
Uh, besides Phillips and Hoffman, I'd have to say I, I, I really enjoyed the character of Denny. He's just like, <laughs> he's just a real, I love a good oddball, and he's just like, he's very, in a dramatic movie. I mean, and Phillips and Hoffman has some funny moments, don't get me wrong. Denny is definitely he's the, the, he's the he's comedic comic, relief. In a movie, you need comic relief. I would yes. Say he's comic relief. It's funny because there's a couple other, like, couples that appear that, like, only have, like, one or two. Scenes. Yeah, it's really, like, the, like. The one in Florida was a little odd. Like, I'd seen that guy before. The one in Florida. Yeah, when he goes down to Florida, like, oh, I honeymooned here. Who are you here with? Oh, that's where it is, Florida? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, they're also... And then he goes to... He's playing basketball, which I, I wrote down, yeah. yes, he's playing basketball. Just make it rain. Think, yeah, makes me think of Ron K. Polly. <laughs> and a friend's just like, oh, you coming to dinner? And he just has dinner with, like, this guy and the yeah, wife, and like, the wife just starts kind of crying. This is really... There's a bunch of quick, like I said, quick scenes in this. So, Kyle, what is Love Liza about? Wilson, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, is a recently widowed man who is struggling to come to terms with the suicide of his wife, Liza. Between co-workers, his mother-in-law, played by Kathy Bates, and a new friend, Denny, Wilson tries to deal with grief in his own way while holding onto an unopened letter left by his wife. We got to enjoy it on HBO. That's a big come, come on. That's a big like you know deal for and us watching these movies. It was HBO, so <laughs> no, yes, if right? You no, that's, that's to HBO Go. It's definitely worth seeing. Oh, it's definitely worth seeing. And again, I'm just I was just really the, wait for the end for this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was just oh, no. That's just how happy I am that you don't have to steal a movie. Well, it's, I'm never stealing. I'm never downloading and like I'm watching. You know. It's not stealing. Mm. It was just a reminder we're getting closer to that. We have these little More teasers. Yeah. yeah, we have these little teasers. And so I, it was just kind of surprising that it was, because we've had some difficulty even after Boogie Nights and Twister and movies like that. But yeah, I mean, the, uh, and the only other thing I want to say, because I'm kind of throwing this out there to our uh, teammates of uh, the Cage Club Network, or, or actually, I'm sorry, not team, our, our bosses... Mike Manzi and Joey Lewandowski. <laughs> uh, Rex Reed of the New York Observer, and this is also this is something I read, but this is like on posters and like the DVD, you know, when they have the little uh, reviews. Rex Reed of the New York Observer praised Hoffman, uh, said it could have the same impact on his career as Leaving Las Vegas did for Nicolas Cage. So, boom, <laughs> Cage Club. I don't know if it did, but maybe. I mean, you know what? I think as far as, like, in the realm of studios, they at least got to... The Leaving Las Vegas, he won an Oscar for. Let's put it this way. I alluded to it before. There's a scene in this movie, and we said... So he's down in Florida. He's, like, jumping up and down the water, and then he runs out of the water and grabs, like, this tropical drink. He's got a gut... You know, like, I mean, I'm just like my brother. I look at him, and I'm like, you know... He's... <laughs> yeah, Phil Sterhoffen is my spirit animal. He's a bigger guy. Yeah, he's a bigger guy. He's not, you know, you, you got your movies of people walking out of the water. You got your Daniel Craig's out there, your Halle Berry's. This is Philip Sterhoffen. So big is not beautiful to you? No, big is beautiful. I'm just <laughs> saying as far as a leading, you know, man no, yes, in a um, film. Traditional Hollywood leading man. Yeah. And again, which goes back to trying to raise funds for this film. And Cage was Hollywood royalty also. He was, yeah, no, Cage was, I don't care what those guys say. 
maybe they say this, maybe they don't. I don't remember. But Cage was Cage from not day one, but pretty close. He's yeah. doing big Hollywood. He didn't even use his Hollywood royalty name, and he was still like you know, <laughs> it's starring true. in movies right away. Nikki Coppola. Yeah, Nikki Coppola. Yeah, that's what I refuse. Yeah, hey, Coppola Club. <laughs> Coppola Club. <laughs> Cope Club. Two guys, one Coppola <laughs> of vino. So this film opens up with. What, him in the car, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. That's awesome. We have a film that is opening up on oh, Philip Seymour yeah, sure. Hoffman. With Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm not saying it's like, you know, it's, he drives a Saturn in the movie. This is a <laughs> promo. I mean, we're already making our money from uh, promoting HBO. Maybe Saturn can reach out to us. I don't think they still make Saturns. What? <laughs> Sorry, bubble bursted. Oh, man. When was the last time you saw Saturn? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it opens up with him. I'd just like to say this is like the look of Philip Seymour Hoffman I like to kind of remember him by. You know, so at this point, I, you know, he must be like in his early 30s, and he's just got that like longer, you know, like hair, almost like back to a Scotty J haircut, mm-hmm. fuller body, as we said, and he's just, I don't know, he's just got, uh, that's like the, that's honestly one of my favorite things like I love about him is just like his look. He just always had such a normal everyday. Like he just looks like one of your friends. Yeah, and again, this is a like a sad film. This is something that where somber, right? Somber. It's really about his life falling apart and him trying to put it back together. Yeah, you know, as I said in the description, his wife committed suicide. Do we ever find out how? Okay, so, I mean, we, the movie opens up, he's in this car, he comes home, uh, like, did he, I mean, I think maybe they just recently buried her, or maybe, like, that was, he was wearing a suit, so I think it might have been, like, the day That's true, back. I didn't catch that. And there's no music, like, no dialogue for a while, just, like, the diegetic noise of, like, birds and him, you know, opening and closing doors and that kind of stuff. We see him sleeping on a hardwood floor. Um, he's working on, like, a puzzle. I, it's just a very, to me, like, that's, like, simple, good writing. Like, almost like when I'm, when I'm, I don't read much, and the things I read are, like, articles and, like, screenplays. You hardly know how. I, that's I was joking. <laughs> that's a joke, everybody. Kyle yeah, and the literate. worst part is I never yeah. learned how to read. Illiteracy is a real concern in the world, so we apologize. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's some nice, simple like just story and character building without including any dialogue which is nice you know what i mean what do you think about that well as someone who's dealt with a suicide in their life these are the parts that scream to me the most it's like you're trying to go on with your normal life now i i didn't lose a loved one or someone i lived with you know that would be worse yeah when i say love okay when i say loved one i meant like girlfriend or yeah theoretically boyfriend but this is someone he lives with, so getting back his life is very difficult. But just from speak, speaking firsthand, everything you do, that just weighs on you. You're just thinking, you know, just so many unanswered questions. Yeah, and like you're saying, so it's someone, it's his wife, someone he lived with, someone he shared his life with. There's just constant reminders around, too. You're going into a house that was... Exactly. I, like, I remember just... When I would be reminded of certain things, it would just it would just suck, you know. And that was just like going around town, going to particular places. I can't imagine being 
his character and going back to that home, you know? It was interesting because to jump ahead in the movie at one point when he's uh, abusing and, and high off of this, like, gasoline or, like, the chemical stuff. Yeah, the we'll planes. definitely get into that. But he has a memory or no, it's not it's not like i mean technically i guess hallucinate you know a reverie yeah <laughs> but of just like seeing it felt a little out of place but i guess those are the things you remember just from this point of view down the hallway of his wife naked like walking from the bedroom to the bathroom and that's besides you know, i mean some moments of him looking at pictures you know, like I, it was just one of those things that in movies where we have seen uh, someone lose somebody, they go back and they're like seeing them around the apartment, like in past memories. And yeah, I don't, I didn't think this had to do that. Oh no, no, no! I'm not saying it had to. So that's kind of it is refreshing in a way. But yeah, I think that's one of the pluses of this film. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that moment fell out of place. It only fell out of place to me because we hadn't yet seen stuff like that. We hadn't even really yet seen... We just saw, like, some pictures, right? We just, like, a few pictures. Yeah, and not for long. It was, there were no, like... We never hear her... Oh, we hear her voice on the answering machine at one point. Yeah. But, you know, so we're just not really... It's just very jarring, I guess, in, like, especially in this movie where there was, like, no other nudity and stuff like that it was jarring but it wasn't i didn't find it like sexual no or gratuitous it was this is like just it was the mundane daily life she was just doing yeah just the shower, com- right? yeah exactly yeah the- and she wasn't like a particularly classically sexy woman you know no she looked pretty and that's not, i'm not like dissing the way she looked but she looked like real it wasn't like yeah. it didn't take me out of reality. It, that was believable to be his wife, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. It, it was weird because it's like, okay, a naked lady. Yeah, I'm just, I guess, again, the but, biggest thing I'm saying is just that, like, we weren't that, like, familiar, like, her name is in the title, but besides that, it's not like we were ever that familiar with the character, just to have that much of a candidness. No, yeah, exactly. It's more because we hadn't seen it before, but I wasn't so against the nudity because I, I think, again... He didn't remember a sex scene, like, as his flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, like, her taking a shower, and not in a sexy way at all. That's mean, it was gross. It just was, like I said, the equivalent of brushing your teeth. Yeah. That's what I would compare it to. They could have just as easily used brushing the teeth, so yeah, there's a little bit of, like, a gimmick there. But it, it wasn't... Again, like I said, it was out of place because of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It, it just... We hadn't seen it yet before. This movie is like weird to go by scene by scene because we were talking about this a little bit before. It's just these like fast scenes and it's just life essentially. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, so like this, as far as central locations, you t- definitely have like, like his house is a big one, but then the rest of the time he's kind of out and about and goes on these little vacations the, the, or goes on these road trips. It's almost like little vignettes here rather yeah. than plot points, if that makes sense. I'd like to say, and maybe we'll, and we'll maybe we'll play this. We get a Philip Seymour Hoffman laugh, and we, at least I, definitely bring that up a lot as far as his movies when he laughs. This one is so, you know, purposely awkward and scares his like coworkers out of the room until there's just like one coworker oh, left, yeah, just yeah. like sitting there. Let's just quick, we'll quick play that for you. <laughs> 
his laughter is like a almost like in a way like a reason why we don't go back to the office again. He just seems very out of place and clearly and like the woman from HR suggests a vacation for him. Yeah, so basically what is he like a graphic designer? Yeah. So he's a graphic designer but he's clearly very much struggling with his work. Even just struggling getting along with his coworkers. It's not good. Yeah, so I mean again there's just some good simple character story building going on in the beginning. He gets a call from uh I get the obituaries, right? And they say to him we would just like to ask and would you want to include your wife took her own life. So that's how we find out through, you know, which I thought was like an interesting way of finding out that his uh you know, we know that she we know that she died, but that we find out she took her own life. And then another little part is that he goes into the garage and he's looking in the car and it's like a little reminder moment is he sees a hairband with some hair in it. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is he sees the rag in the tailpipe. So that's oh, so that must be how she killed. Yeah, herself. that's how I she, did not catch. You that. didn't catch that. that? No. Oh, okay. That's. I mean. Yeah, he doesn't take it out. He's just kind of standing by the door that leads into the garage from inside the house, and there's just kind of I don't know if it's a rack focus, but definitely, it's in focus. Oh, actually, I did figure that out. Now that you mention it, I was gonna ask, like, is that how she kills himself? Because you see the garage windows. Yeah. Are like fogged up and yeah, stuff. like dirty with the, from the fumes. Yeah. And that also kind of makes almost the way he's torturing himself and his new uh, addiction a little bit more tragic, po- poetic. The, the gas uh, pump. Yeah, so he goes... Like the, the fumes. Yeah, he just goes on... Well, he goes on this little vacation, which is definitely weird. He goes to Florida where they honeymoon, so that's just a sad... Yeah, as his co-worker. It's the one co-worker who we later find out has a crush on him, like kind of suggests. She's trying to help him. Yeah. We'll get to that later because I I have my opinions on that, but yeah, he takes a vacation to where they honeymooned, and like you mentioned, there's this weird scene. He's like on the beach. Yeah, he's just jumping around in the water, gets like a you know a blue drink, like uh, the, <laughs> like the a one I tie. Yeah, like a, yeah, and then he's just sitting at a table with this other couple, and they're they're all happy, and it, it's just weird. Like it doesn't, you know, obviously like you, you don't like go around and sharing constantly like oh my wife like took her own life but he was just they're like oh have you been here before he's like yeah with my wife you know (laughs) and there's just that awkwardness of like why isn't she here then and like they'll say that but that's just it's weird it's it's weird but i get it it's like you almost want to share but you don't Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we're seeing in the earlier stage of this film later besides the other relationships in this movie, so clearly he's lost somebody, but, I mean, just on the same level that his mother-in-law, Marianne, lost her daughter. Yeah, and it's funny, because Marianne, who's played by uh, Kathy, Bates. Kathy Bates, keeps... She's really trying to help him. Yeah, he's definitely keeping a distance from her. She's very much like... She, she like, checks she, in on him. Yeah, she. she, she I mean, she loves her son-in-law. Like, she wants to just, like... But it, she's also hurt, obviously. It's her daughter, but she's dealing with this a lot better than him. Yeah, and that's he's not like get over it, like be a, you know she just you know she's there for him to talk to. He's not really receptive to this, but he she tries to be there for him. Yeah, and the other important thing that happens early on this film is that 
he discovers this letter that's left under so he's been sleeping on the yeah he's been sleeping on the on the floor but he goes up to the bed to grab like a pillow make it like a little bit more comfortable you know that's the whole thing it's just very sad and he doesn't want to be like places you know so you know he's gonna stay in his house but he just doesn't want to be on his bed you know just a reminder of his wife and just i'm sure even just like the smell and the comfort of it but he takes his pillow and she left him a letter under his pillow yeah, and it is specifically addressed to him. Yeah, it says to Wilson. Or um, just Wilson. Yeah, I think it just says Wilson. Yeah. It's essentially, you know, that's her suicide note because she didn't leave anything to anyone else. Yeah, and she... Yeah, and that's... And that's you kind of feel bad for Marianne because, like, she goes over there and she uh, wakes him up. He's actually in the car at one point, sleeping in the car. I think it kind of lets you know that he slept in the car since she died, which is kind of ironic. You know, she yeah. died in the car. But then he finally, when he finally can sleep in his house, he can only sleep on the floor. Marianne is just, uh, it's even like more kind of sad for her that then Liza took her life and she was, you know, didn't like leave any like, you know, goodbye to her, to her mom. Or we don't even know what the, like, do you think, you know, there's, Wilson does not read this letter till the end what what do you think or like maybe like a like a reason that he's not he's not reading it while he's holding it off oh i mean i think that's pretty obvious i think you know he just doesn't want to know what's in there he i think he even mentions it once he's afraid it's going to be something bad with him like she might blame him or something or you just don't know you know you don't want to open that up like figuratively and literally even if it's the letter as it is which doesn't really it's not you know, spoiler here, but it's not doesn't end up blaming him or anything. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still a very heavy thing. This is the last message he's ever going to get from her. No, and that's that's a really fair. I, I was asking you because that's something that Philip Seymour Hoffman shared, which sort of like the latter of what you were saying was that this is just the last. After this letter, there's no like new memories, no new experience with his wife. Yeah, that's fair. You know, because so, so I mean, if you knew why'd you ask me? I wanted to hear what you thought. It it reminds me of when Philip Zimmer Hoffman talked about a film we'll later go over, which is Doubt. I forgot who did this interview. It might have been the fresh people from Fresh Take or the woman from Fresh Take Again or, or something like that. The host asked him if he believed, like, if the priest raped the boy or not mm-hmm. or what he believed. And he said, yes, there was something he knew like the answer to that question if the priest raped the boy but he wasn't going to give her the answer and he says every actor decides these things or what the hell are you up there for you know like mm-hmm. you can't yeah with the whole letter thing he obviously made that decision he did he luckily he did share it with us luckily for us it's like if you're an actor and you're trying to play a character you're trying to be that character for that to be open ended is just like then why are you there? You know, then you then you're just reading lines. Yeah, when you find out that's what the actor decide, that's like what their you know thoughts were. Scorsese as a director, he believed that Travis Bickle survives at the end of Taxi Driver, and so then you watch that movie and you're like, well, the director thinks that now. I mean, you could still have a thought and be like, oh, I get that people thought that Travis died and at the end was just like a you know a quick like his last thoughts or something, but in this movie. 
then hearing because I heard that after watching the movie. So then you see the mannerisms and the looks, the great things that Philip Seymour Hoffman does, and you understand them from that standpoint a little bit more. Yeah, it reminds me of not to plug this or anything because we shouldn't, but when we worked on a project together uh, that I wrote the screenplay for, our lead actor John Harden, mm-hmm. who you've heard on the podcast before, um, he made a decision about the ending that kind of differed from what I thought, but I thought it was totally okay because I just wanted him to commit to something yeah, and run with it. And I guess Gordy, we act like we know him, but like... G-H. G-H. G- this is my song, S-H. G-H. I know this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but Gordy Hoffman, I'm sure he wasn't like, no, it's this, you have to do it, you know? Yeah. It's, you got to respect an actor's craft when it comes to that, unless it's like super important, I yeah. would say. Where it's just he's like, like no, I killed her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's playing it like, it like it laugh, but he's playing it like he was the murderer. Yeah, you, know, you don't. Then want that just that. yeah, that but just like, sets again. a way different tone. <laughs> no, it's fair. Like what you were saying, as far as like maybe he felt guilty for numerous reasons, or like a fear of like she's gonna be like, you were absolutely the worst, or so you know something really hurtful, like whatever emotion this was going to. No, because you don't know the past, like mm-hmm. theoretically. He could have played the character like they, he previously abused her or something, and yeah, you know, not pushed her to suicide, but something along those lines. Of course, and the fact that, like, I mean, he's staying away from Kathy Bates and being very cold or just, you know, very distant. Yeah, distant with her could, yeah, of course, allude to that. But it's just so now, just knowing that's what drove Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's just, I think it's just, um, you know... It's just I almost prefer to. not knowing, because I do like that ambiguity. Because we're just... This is not a thing about the past. Like, this is not a film about the past. Like we were saying before, we don't see too many flashbacks. No, this is... We don't know too much Liza. This is a moment... Very much in, about the present. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I don't need to know... Yeah, just like the next that. step. Like, so uh, supposedly this film, according to Philip Seymour Hoffman, takes place over like six weeks. Just in this month and a half like period after his wife's death, it's just pre- you know like the day by day or like these little trips or these little just like new moments in his life. That's really what the next is, and just this kind of avalanche in a way of just like his downfall but he kind of plateaus for some moments and then he just i mean he's definitely on like a downward spiral it's not a happy ending no but it's also and this is again it was a criticism by a lot of people it's not an ending that's very different from the beginning yes he's opened the letter and we can talk about this later but it's not like he opens the letter and he becomes a different person or he's like finally okay what we're seeing here is just part of his journey part of the process and it's not a very long part in terms of his development so if your wife just kills herself do you really think that you're going to be a different person in six weeks no i mean it's definitely and again and that's what makes this movie good in a sense because it's realistic yeah good and different and i mean probably a fair amount of people out there that can relate to it just as far as maybe not like you know verbatim no but Hopefully not with the gasoline sniffing. No, I mean, that's the whole... I mean, that kind of comes back... Like, that's, like, his next lowest moment. So there's a lot of moments where 
characters kind of like you know a lot of them are saying do you smoke gas and then you know he he comes with excuses the bigger one is like the model planes but there's definitely moments where i think some characters might know what he's doing but don't like you know obviously like say something right then one of the earlier moments is kathy bates shows up and phil sir hoffman is just passed out on the stoop and he's got his model plane there and a rag which we'll get into yeah the model planes definitely becomes a big part of this movie she wakes him up actually kind of with she's playing around with the airplane and then he just gets up and he goes inside and just puts himself into his you know little floor bed he's created she knows that he has the letter this is the first time he really raises his voice yeah, you know, she's just trying to be compassionate, and he's just losing his temper, kind of. Uh. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll play the clip. Why aren't you on the couch? Because I like it here. The floor can't make you feel better. I don't know. I don't know. You want to be near the bedroom? Look, Marianne, I found a place to sleep, that's all. I know it's a stupid place, but it's the place I found. Okay. Okay. Sleeping's important. You ever slept in a strange spot? Yes, I have. I shouldn't make you move. What did she say? You want to read it? Go ahead. It doesn't have my name on it. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. But if it did, I would open it. Because that's what she wants. Wanted. What she wanted. And you refuse to honor that. Is there something you want to know? No, I think there's something that you don't want to know. I don't! I don't! I loved well. I did! I did! I loved well! I don't want a letter! I don't want a fucking letter! She left reasons, Will! It's my name! This is the first one of the first times we see him like lose his cool and actually this is the whole thing i mean he's dealing with such a tragic moment in his life and he's being i guess the other moment was that like laughing clip we played like i was waiting for him to kind of like freak out in that moment and like flip over a table or something but it was just him not being able to like assimilate well back to work yeah but this is just him and like the one person that's really trying to be like you know i mean she's alone in this world now too i don't know what happened to her husband or but she's lost her daughter now and it just kind of seems i don't know what's up with wilson's parents but they're clearly as far as family goes in this movie that that's like all yeah, it we seems don't like see anyone else. We, yeah. we hardly see friends of his i guess the couple yeah you know old friends i mean i definitely want to get into mora so more from the get-go, you kind of get this vibe that she is into Wilson. Uh, it, it's a little weird to me. She is she is into him, which she reveals later. Yeah. But his wife just died. Yeah, I mean, hey, but we get—I mean, we get that great little moment with Kathy Bates calling her out on it, like, "Oh, you're worried about like <laughs> the guy that you're kind of like, you know, that just buried his wife." Because uh, do you think so? I'll ask you, do you think that she had this crush on him before this, or is this sympathy? Yeah. A lot of people are attracted to vulnerability and stuff like that. I think that added a little something to it, but this is clearly. I mean, she's not like we don't get like an awkward moment of her trying to. <laughs> 
kiss him no, right she's away not putting or something. Moves on him. She's being very respectful. She is actually trying to help him when she does reveal that she has feelings for him, which I don't know if she should have done. It's actually it's the scene like pretty much right after the clip we just played. They go to the zoo. Yeah. And they're just in front of like a like a sea lion exhibit. It's a very but, beautiful shot. But before any of this, she visits him at home. Mm-hmm. And that's another person who almost catches him. A lot of people stop by unannounced. Yes. Which I understand like happens yeah. when they're when you're worried about someone. And like he has the gasoline around, which he started to sniff, and she's like, Oh, why do you have gasoline? And he, he just off the top of his head says he builds model airplanes. Yeah. And he ends up having to build model airplanes essentially because yeah. she has a brother who's a, kind of a loser, kind of like a geek. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's an oddball. Let's keep yes. it to that. And she's like, oh, you know, she calls him and she's like, yeah, my brother Denny is going to pass by. Uh, he's yeah. into model stuff, too. And so he goes out and he's forced to buy an airplane, but of course he can't build it fast. Yeah. So he he's something like, I don't like tools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he buys one that's already made. Yeah. It's a really nice one, too. And Denny, this oddball, comes over and he really likes the plane and they take a ride in the car and they fly planes. Yeah, he even, well, he even finds the gas in the fridge. So there's just a lot of like... Yeah, because those planes apparently don't use regular gasoline. Mm-hmm. So his excuse is kind of like BS. But he keeps like kind of telling people throughout the whole movie that the reason that he has gas around is because he has model airplanes. Yeah, and then he even, before he goes out flying uh, the model with Denny, which he doesn't even fly, I love Denny is just like flying the model around and goes, This is kick ass. <laughs> He's like a really, just a great little, like, weird character. And, but he even, Denny, to add to his, like, character or just like another character that has a weird trait or, like, kind of, he clearly doesn't, like, abuse it. But he has this weird thing where, he, I mean, he sends Philip Seymour Hoffman back into his house or Wilson back into the, his house to get a bottle opener. He's like, Oh, the wife doesn't like me to drink and drive. Like, it's just a very... But in that moment, Wilson takes an opportunity. So I guess he's married, right? Yeah. We never for... meet his wife. Good for Denny. <laughs> you know what's I... funny about Denny? Is that Denny is this oddball. He's definitely, like, not an outcast. because He definitely is not, like, the coolest guy in the world. No. But, but he's got his hobby. He's got his His, niche. his sister calls him, essentially, or sees him. Mm-hmm. Says, hey, I have a friend... You know, he's feeling kind of down. This is what's happening. He's into the model stuff, too. Do you mind passing by? And Denny says, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And throughout this film, despite being this, again, I don't know if this character has... He doesn't seem... I don't think he has a mental disorder. He's not like that. No. But he's definitely a little socially awkward. But he still feels like he's taking care of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. And, like, I loved their dynamic i love that aspect of it like he's always like you know he'll tell people oh his wife just killed her so. yeah, and he even creates like a really weird it's awkward it, yeah. the way he does it is awkward like is he's socially awkward but he he's actually helping though which is amazing yeah i love the way he talks he just yeah. has this very like uh, he's almost a non-italian joe pesci it's <laughs> <laughs> like no but just like that okay okay like you know that, that like, like that i don't know like that like impeding kind of like yeah because well and also and that comes less threatening though. yeah well yeah exactly well less Italian um, <laughs> and so that's just like I, but that comes from uh, a place where Philip Seymour Hoffman really he gives like one word answers or quick answers and I think that 
Denny just looks at it as an opportunity if he's helping someone else. Like, clearly his sister gave some really nice words. Like, maybe she, who knows, maybe she even shared with Denny, I like this guy, try yeah. to, you know, true, be nice or whatever. So, and- basically what we said, the sister at the zoo kind of, like, hits on him. Philip Zimmer Hoffman isn't ready for this. Yeah. Um, he ends up quitting his job and going on this weird impromptu road trip. Yeah, I didn't even really know... Like, we don't see him quit. No. He just le- he leaves... He says he's going to the bathroom and he leaves the zoo. Meanwhile, oh, we also have to say from work... So you got, like, Mora and, like, we see some co-workers, but the other then character is uh, Stephen Toblowski's character. And I love how, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman keeps, like, saying his name. Tom Bailey. Like, Tom Bailey, yeah. Tom- and Tom Bailey seems like... So he's, like, a new client... Or, yeah, he doesn't work with him. He's a client that is like asked the company he works for for a design. And as far as a client goes, he seems like really nice and understanding of what Philip yeah. Hoffman is going through. So basically, the girl says to Tom Bailey, "Oh, he doesn't work here anymore. He just quit, and that's why." And he, you know, he's going on vacation, and we just kind of catch him on the road, you know, huffing away at gasoline. Well, I think he first stops at the gas station, right, and then the diner with a yellow pages scene. Yeah, and the well, his, so his plane, his monoplane, is stolen out of the backseat of his car. Did we see it get stolen? No, he just goes to the car after having pancakes. And it's not there, right? Okay. It's not there. I was a little confused about that. Yeah. So his monoplane's stolen. He's telling people that he's going to New Orleans to go to the beach. To go to the beach. And then people tell him that there's no beach in New Orleans. It's weird because I a little behind the scenes, like this was shot in like New Orleans and like the Gulf Coast. Even like I've read mostly Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, Alabama, but a little. I think a little Mississippi, Louisiana. You know all the Gulf subsidies. After but his Katrina. place is Indiana, right? I believe. I believe is. I know it's somewhere in the Midwest. I can't yeah. remember. And it's up, but obviously, that those scenes are even shot down there too. Yeah, it has the you know the small town feel, and like like we were saying, he needs to get a new airplane, so he like kind of harasses like a diner guy for like a copy of the yellow pages yeah again he just has like many interactions like with these you know brief characters so it's the manager of the diner and then he goes to the model plane store and that woman tells him how there's no beaches in new orleans and then the cop shows up and kind of escorts him out of town yeah because he ripped a page out of the yellow oh the yellow pages yeah and then he's kicked out of this town and then he stops in this... Yeah, he's listening to the radio. Yeah. And it's like a commercial for a model plane or a model's yeah. depot that's not, that's close by, and he ends up stopping there, and it's like a huge like supermarket, kind of. Yeah, and he's like, this is great. Yeah. I like his interaction with that clerk. Then he sees a piece of paper. Yeah, and there's like a meetup, and he's like, oh, I want to go to a meetup. And, mm-hmm. and like the next one is in Slidell, Louisiana, which is a town outside new orleans okay i know um i just remember from driving around there and like the road signs (laughs) and he's like okay i'm all in and he he heads over there yeah and it ends up being a boat right it's like a model boat race instead of a model plane race Mm -hmm. and he's got a freaking model plane it seems like swimming is something he enjoys like he's he goes (laughs) yeah he's jumping around the water and then he wants to go to the beach in New Orleans, but here it's just this pond, and where they race these race these boats. These and he's like, like, "No, no, powered little." Uh, like when we say boats, they're like model boats, like little model boats. Yeah, with like, but those like hot, you know, they fly around on the pond because they have these like little high-powered engines. <laughs> 
And so he jumps in the water. And he's swimming amongst the boats. Lucky for him, everyone's yelling at him, pull him out, and Denny to the rescue. Denny's there with his... We didn't know... We knew he was into remote-controlled planes. Yeah. But apparently he's into remote-controlled boats. I love that Denny drove down to Slido. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm in the regionals. I just won the regionals. Yeah. I get to race tomorrow. In the quarters. Yeah. In the quarters. And he's like, I already won. I like that. Like, Yeah. So is this Denny's just a, I mean again I mean he's the comic relief in the movie but just as far as like a character and you know a, as a he's like should be and slightly is like a good influence on Philip Seymour Hoffman on, and on Wilson's and he, life and he's got a big heart yeah you know he's got a big heart and he basically gets him out of trouble there they hang out and Wilson is like getting into this whole model thing. It started out as, like, a cover-up lie. Yeah, he's, like, excited for these yeah. races. They eventually leave because he, Denny loses his, like... But I love how excited uh, Philip Hoffman's character is when he puts the boat in the water for Denny. Because, <laughs> like, he's, like, his partner, and he just, like, drops the boat in the water. He's like, yeah! He just <laughs> well, I even love when he was in the water, and they're telling him to get out. He just goes, like, you know who I am? I'm a big fan of radio control! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's Something's missing with him. Things are not going great. But he's he's finding little enjoyment in these crazy things, and in the world of radio control cars and, I guess, boats. <laughs> yeah. Um, why why did Denny end up towing his car when they were leaving? I don't know. I guess just as, so they could keep company on the way back. They couldn't drive together? Unless Denny was like, oh, I'll tow it. Just, like, let me keep an eye on him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, makes the time go faster being able to talk in the car. Did he know. just have a tow thing with him? I guess. <laughs> I mean, maybe they stopped at a place and bought one. But, I mean, that's just, well, is it is that symbolism as, at its finest there? Is he is he towing Wilson along? I suppose. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, it's kind of like a road trip back. Not a very exciting one. But no, they stop at a motel. Yeah, they stop at a motel, and they're kind of like two boys at a sleepover. Yeah, and this whole time, Marianne, this is when she has that moment with Mora, because both, like, no one knows where... Wilson went, and so Marianne is, you know, contacting people at work and constantly going over to Wilson's house, and and understand that Marianne is right in the same boat, same situation as Wilson. Yeah, she's waiting there for him when he gets home, and they just have a nice little scene where they're like sitting on the floor and eating Chinese food, and things seem to be like kind of pretty good at this point, right? Like he's like enjoying hanging out with Denny. Now this scene he's like kind of finally talking with Marianne and he has a good meeting with Tom Bailey and they're going to send like the computers and equipment to his house. Yeah, basically he doesn't work there but Tom Bailey's going to contract him independently yeah. to, to work on something and so things are turning around for him. But then, and this is honestly like the biggest problem I have with this movie, and I don't really understand where it comes from. He goes home, and all this stuff is gone. First off, his thought is like, I was robbed. I don't oh, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know okay. any scenario. I agree with what you're saying. How yeah. neat was that place after it was robbed? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was like a neat place, and who robs a place and literally takes 
everything. Everything, like spoons, silver, silverware. Because that's the whole thing. He goes into the drawer. He was keeping, like when he goes in for the bottle opener, when Denny asks for it, he just constantly has these moments that he's reminding himself, I have this letter, and he's, you know, contemplating, should yeah. I open it or not? He brings it with him and almost loses it a few times on the road. And so he keeps it in this drawer. And so when he comes home and everything's missing, that's even gone. Just That, that just seemed very odd to me that he thought it was like a robbery i mean technically it is a robbery (laughs) but still like that it was just like a random robbery because later on we find out that marianne took all the stuff but this and this is also why then i have the biggest i'm confused by it and then it just sucks because things are getting good for wilson and this just puts him on a downward spiral because this is when he goes and he buys more gas and he huffs it and this is when he imagines his wife and he also like he's basically he's giving like these kids gas too like these yeah. drug addicted kids. It's like, why do you think Marianne took his stuff? I don't know. Like that's what I'm saying. Like the seem like with the Chinese food, it seemed like it was nothing was growing. Part at that of me point. is thinking like uh, maybe she was forcing him to move on. Yeah, but stealing his forks and knives as well, like down to that, or also not telling him. I guess like she knew he would have gotten mad and she thought he would move on. Did not work. Marianne. No. He kind of went out of control after this. Denny shows up and he screams at him and tells him, he's just, you know, I mean, he's high, uh, Wilson that is, and just yells at Denny and tells him to Yeah, because Denny just walks in. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he said he knocked and no one answered, so he opened the door and the door was unlocked. Yeah, he really puts in. Denny down. Yeah, and says, this isn't the motel, and it's just a really, he's at a real low at this point. So after... I mean, he's still low, and he's still, like, high. Like, you just see it. His nose has started bleeding because of this. And he's just on this terrible downward spiral, but he just wants some, I guess, after having this hallucination of, like, his wife, he just wants to see her face, and so everything is gone from his house. So he just... And uh, Marianne won't answer him at all, and, like, on the phone. So he goes, and he asks... Denny to help him, so, um, and then they go, travel over to Marianne. Yeah, so let's play this clip. Yeah, let's play this clip. Denny! What do you want? I need your help. Really? No shit. Uh, I need your help, really. Remember, I'm Denny. I just need some pictures of Liza, and Marianne keeps hanging up on me. God, I wonder why. Please, I'm sorry. We're not at the hotel, Wilson. I know, I know. We're not at the hotel. All right. Look, I know your wife killed herself, and it's been hard and shit, but all I did was come in, and and, and you had this this fucking gas hangover. Fuck you. Please, I'm sorry. Yeah, you are, too. I am. Probably, she's probably not here. I don't care. Marianne! Open up! Marianne, open up! I don't think she's home. You would have answered already. I don't think she's in there, buddy. Well, so come on, let's go back to the house. I got this karate tape we can watch. 
This is crazy. Listen, like that, that, that's not even. Look, I'm going in. Hey. This guy's wife did herself in just three weeks ago. Not even. What the hell are you doing? It's my son-in-law and somebody else. What are you? What the hell are you breaking into my house? Aren't are you out of your mind? I'm Danny. I was at the gate. And because I don't answer immediately, you're gonna break into my house. I want pictures. You keep hanging up on me. Because you keep calling me and swearing at me like I did something wrong. I want pictures. Now you expect me to do what you want? Yes. Yes. I have nothing. You had everything. You had everything. I mean, that's a scene where you get to see the power that is, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman and his acting. Yeah. It's his realization of that, you know, because he's saying, I've got nothing. And she says, you had it all. Which, again, she took it, though. I know she's talking metaphorically. Yes. But she took his stuff. That doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. It's more understanding, like, the character and why they're, like, what was her choice. I just didn't see a clear choice into, you know, because, I, I don't know, to me it's a very, I don't want to call it pragmatic movie. Like, he, you know, he clearly makes, you know, bad decisions, but each step of the way it's simple and you kind of understand where each character's coming from. And so that, to me, was just a big thing that I didn't understand where her character was coming from. We've said this, we usually, like, are getting her and we're really connecting with her yeah. until this part. One of the things I was thinking, like, maybe she's not jealous, but, like, again, like, she kind of indicates she's upset that she doesn't get a letter. Not directly. Yeah. Maybe this is, like, her payback. But what a what a load of work. I mean, may, yeah. Like, you know, she had to have hired a crew. There's no way she did it herself. Oh, yeah, of course. For it to be yeah. that clean and that perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it's out of that. Because when we do find the stuff a little later, uh, you know, spoiler here, and it is in her basement. Yeah, unfortunately, again, it just keeps getting worse because then Tom Bailey shows up at his house and the kids are also there at that point and they're, like, huffing together and he just totally ends the contract and says that he's going to let the police know to watch that the kids don't come back here. And so that's when Wilson decides to return to Marianne's house and he sees that it's, like, all in her, like, basement. Yeah, and he finds out, and she's clutching the letter. Yeah. Which makes me think... That maybe she like said wanted to do like a robbery so she could open the letter and everything else was like a ruse. Again, it doesn't look like a robbery, so it doesn't make sense. I but, think, yeah. But she's holding it, but she still can't open it because she realizes again it's not her letter. Yeah, it says the on the she's envelope. Torn. It says you know Wilson. she wants to know what it says in there. But yeah, if anything, to go back to like when I was asking you and like I had heard what Philip Seymour Hoffman like thought as far as an actor and what he was drawing from. I think if anything especially since I I didn't see an interview with Kathy Bates and if she would even admit like what her thought process were was for this character maybe she is starting she's grief stricken and she's now starting to put it you know she seems very open just wants to be there for Wolves in the beginning but maybe she starts you know putting it on him and thinking that Liza you know it was him and something happened and she a suicide something like that Everyone around 
the suicide victim is going to question their role in this. Could I have stopped this? Is this something that I did? Yeah. Is this something that, like, I caused somehow? Yeah, unfortunately it becomes like a pointing fingers game in a way. Yeah, and uh, mostly at oneself. Sure, sure. Rarely does someone say, oh, it was your fault, you know? I mean, look, sometimes that happens. But they at least they lash out. This was her lashing out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What she was showing at the beginning of this film could just have been her putting a shield up, not yet mourning herself. Because we see her, as you're saying, like, kind of fall apart, too. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, she's still playing, like, a maternal role. Yeah. She's trying to be there more for Wilson than she's being there for herself. I mean, you've had to deal with death. I've had to deal with death. You always see people at the funeral who are in tears, crying, Mm -hmm. and you always see people arguably closer people who are comforting them, you know? And it's almost like some people just put this armor on at the beginning yeah, and not let, like, don't allow themselves to grieve until a little bit later. And it seems like th- that's what she's doing. Like, she, she's kind of, maybe she's off her rocker when she does this. I, I know that's like a terrible way to put it, but, you know, maybe she's just, this is her grieving process. As weird as that is, we can't say it's weirder than Wilson's. No, I mean, two different types. Yeah. I think she's in the bathroom, just, like, leaning against, like, the tub, and she's just holding this letter. We cut to him back at home, and he's surrounded himself. I don't think, obviously, he brought probably just brought a car's worth of stuff, especially the pictures. And he finally opens up, uh, opens up the letter. I don't know if I want to call this letter cryptic, it's poetic. I don't necessarily think it's cryptic. In yeah, terms of I mean, she doesn't explain... She doesn't explain things, but there's no, like, secret message in it. Yeah. It's just, you know, like a little poetic message to him. I mean, she tells him that he deserves... He deserves better. better and, she, yeah, find another... It is weird that he reads it out loud, but whatever. That's how we're gonna... That's how we hear it, you know? Yeah. I'd rather that I, than see it. it if know? I was a betting man, I would have said, like, this would be a moment we would have heard her voice or something. Yeah, maybe. The way he's saying it, like, how his voice is breaking down, it's, like, it, nice in a sense that, like, he's doing a great job. This is just... What is Philip Seymour Hoffman? He's a man that can make you feel and remind you of pretty much like every emotion that's that's out there his his range is there's not many actors that i think can cover the ranges that he does exactly and obviously this is love liza name of the film yeah i kind of like that she leaves a match for it too it's in the envelope yeah how did you like this ending what did you think of this ending i like the ending in the sense of he Clearly, like, her wish is, like, for him to, like, move on and to burn this letter. Uh, symbol of him, you know, letting go. Yeah. So I like that. You know, his disease, his, of, you know, his addiction to, like, huffing, smelling, like, the fumes and everything like that, which, again, is almost, it's how she died, that comes to bite him in the ass because he just had fuel on him slash on the carpet when he spilled it before when he's been huffing and all the stuff starts lighting up i think if it had a bigger budget we would have seen the whole house like on fire yeah so he lights his match to burn the letter and his house ends up burning down yeah with all the photos of her and he's just left 
leaving, walking out in his boxers and his socks on. Yeah, down he had the to, highway. Well, yeah, he first he exits his house, and then I thought it was over, and then it. he's then walking down, like, the middle of a highway. <laughs> so I like everything up to... I almost I prefer him just like walking out of the house. The highway just felt really weird to me. I'm not saying I want like a happy ending. I almost like want him then to walk over back over to Mar- Marianne's and then they finally just like embrace and like hug, maybe. Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. I think if they had the budget, we would have seen the house burn down. And you know, Maybe I would have liked to see that as the ending, like him just waiting outside the house and watching it burn. That'd be nice, but million-dollar budget. Can't yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I don't mind the ending. I actually like it. I like the ambiguity of it, you know. So I have a question. The fire, right, was, like, caused by the gasoline, obviously, but it's caused by the whole huffing addiction we've been talking about. Yeah. What, do you th- what did you uh, think of that, I guess? Like, what was... I mean, it's definitely interesting that it ends up being... I mean, the guy's heartbroken in the beginning of the film, okay? He's lost his wife. He doesn't understand why she took her life. And then he begins this horrible addiction. And then, so it's just, I mean... Yeah, it's a, uh, he has his, like, moments that he gets a little bit better. But like we said, then, you know, his mother-in-law ends up taking his stuff and that brings him to, like, an all-time low again at that point. So it's just... But then now he gets some of his stuff back, but then it ends up being this horrible addiction and the match that Liza left for him in the envelope that when he lights that on fire, it's because of this gasoline that was kind of on his clothes and a little bit on the carpet. It makes the house go up in flames. So... I I like it. It's just it doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> oh, of course not. I mean, it it was just interesting to me because it started off. I thought it was kind of like a comedic little thing. Uh huh. And then it yeah, turned into but then something it literally more serious and literally burns yeah. every last memory of Liza away. Which I, I I guess it's a bit poetic because he's starting a new. Yeah, she just wanted the letter to be burned, but then he nope. gets <laughs> nope. Yeah. Everything, yeah. So, I mean, that was interesting. I'm not too familiar with like the mm. huffing habit, but obviously, like it's it's a thing. It was an interesting drug choice because we've seen characters, obviously, like characters who are dealing with something, descend into this. Yeah, and I mean, but we, not necessarily with gasoline. We mentioned it on the uh, episode of When a Man Loves a Woman, but I mean, he was barely in that movie. This is clearly another movie, and there's going to be other movies that we see his characters uh, dealing with addiction, but this is, you know, unfortunately we lost Philip Seymour Hoffman to an addiction. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question to you. Like, I mean, I don't, it's not necessarily a self-fulfilling prophecy or something like that, but it, it is something mirrored in his life mm-hmm. in terms of he was somebody who had been an addict before this. Yeah, we know that he had been through rehab already once. Yeah, and he later became an addict again. Mm-hmm. So he can kind of relate to that. And in you know, in a lot of ways, he did end up taking his own life. When we not, we'll never know what he was thinking at the end of his life, but in terms of he was you know more or less responsible for what happened to him. And that's something that's mirrored in uh, Li- even Liza's character, who we don't necessarily see, see, but 
it's it's a little eerie watching this film now and knowing and what then, happened. Yeah, to him. knowing what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, twelve years later. Yeah, it's sad, and it's something like sometimes it's hard to watch. But he really does amazing in this film. He's, yeah, again, this is celebrating. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, there's a podcast celebrating Philip Seymour Hoffman's life. I don't want to dwell on the negative too much. We we don't do that here. We really more celebrate his career. And yeah, it's he, about his career and just, I mean, he just brings it in every role in this role. Again, really yeah, exciting. Yeah, he's awesome in this yeah. film. He's great in this film. This is like one of the best films we've seen him in so far. Well, it's just cool because it's it's three younger guys, I mean, or, you know, and just in their lives and in their industry. So you've got between the director, the writer and the lead actor. And again, just from what I read earlier, they were just happy that they sound, sounds like they were just really happy to make the film that they wanted to make. So that's just, that's just a cool experience. It's friends and siblings making, you know, and it was almost like a vessel for all of them. I think I, I said the word, or we said the word vehicle before. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, it's like a it's like a showcase. It mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of money, but it's still like a sh- a showcase for them. And yeah, I don't know if it's that. Leaving- played at Sundance. Yes, and I don't think it's at the leaving Las Vegas level, as that one critic said in terms of. Yeah, forget Nikki Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't win an Oscar, and he didn't like go to a different stratosphere with this. Oh, he's three years away from his Oscar, so we're getting we're getting there. It's it's the it's the I love yeah, it. It's the, the momentum's building. Yes. I mean, I'm a little torn yes. of whether this is the film that brought him there because not a lot of people saw it. So I don't know if it necessarily brought him there on like a public conscious level. But maybe it did on a studio level. Maybe a lot of executives saw this film and, and said... Yeah, sitting in Sundance, talking to Robert Redford, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe they said this is the kind of guy who can lead a film. I mean, before this, obviously, they didn't think so, and but we see it come a little bit later. And I'm, I'm excited to see where we go next. Of course, we've seen some of those films. Well, next is also Punch Drunk Love... I mean, I love, love, love the character of Dean Trumbull. You, you like so to say love a lot today. Oh, well, I'm in a loving mood. <laughs> this this kind of film puts you in a loving mood, is it? <laughs> you love putting words in my mouth. Um, you do it to yourself, sir. You do it to yourself. It's there. It's, <laughs> no, but... <there's>, it's, <laughs> it's an alley-oop. <laughs> you did mention, though, next week we do have Punch Drunk Love. Yes, the fourth collaboration between PTA and PSH. That's Paul Thomas Anderson and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, it's really an Adam Sandler film, though. Unfortunately, Philip Seymour Hoffman's not the lead. Yeah, but, but we'll get into the whole, this whole... Do you, you think know. it's in, like, the Happy Madison? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the I'm beginning kidding. of, like, the, the little bit of the every, like, five-year turn showcase yeah, like, of Adam Sandler. I can be serious when I, I want to. Yeah. <laughs> but we've got Colin Bressler coming on, if that name sounds familiar. Well, it's the last name because we had Zach Bressler on, uh, Colin's brother for Boogie Nights. So we've got a little uh, this week, uh, or that's Brother Things, and you know this is a brother movie. So uh, Brothers this week. Not brothers together next week, no. but a brother of a previous guest yes. next week. I like yeah. it. And Colin's a director, right? Yeah, he's uh, he, he likes making 
films. That sounds silly. <laughs> but he likes, he likes... I hope so. Yeah, hope he's it, a director. He likes making films. Maybe, maybe... It, could this be the narrative there? Was his, I was, was his father a director and I, he really forced him into the business? I was going to say horror films, but I know he's made other things in horror films. <laughs> okay. So he... Yeah, he's currently making horror films and we'll get into that. I'm sure Colin will let us know where we can see them. I think one of them's on Amazon right now. Awesome. But yeah, so... Can't wait to talk Punch Drunk Love. Uh, again, it's a different kind of film than this film. Certainly, definitely more like produced. But they both, yeah, love, love. But they both deal, yeah, with love and you know, and also the like these men that like are deal deal with you know their a issues lot of self a, issues, yeah, in interesting ways. So that was, I mean, again, just to just to put a cap on Love Lies. Uh, we have Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, begin starring in a movie. We're starting off just any chance we get to start, you know, the movie and we get to see him. Awesome. And then we have this role that he just shows incredible vulnerability and he's acting alongside one of the greatest actresses in Kathy Bates. And that's great that he gets to work with uh, one of his oldest friends in Todd Luizzo. And then his brother, Gordy. Gordy Hoffman. Gordy Hoffman. It's definitely a movie we recommend you watch, especially if you're a Philip Seymour Hoffman fan. Yes. That's for sure. Um, And thanks for listening to this episode. You can always listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Android, wherever you find podcasts. Mm -hmm. Make sure you like us on Facebook. Comment. Comment. We love your comments. Follow us. And just, you know, thank you so much. And stay uncool.